I want to invite everyone to open your Bibles to Micah, Micah chapter 6. Micah is in the Old Testament toward the end. It's in uh, the portion of the Old Testament with, uh, where the prophets, uh, people with names that you maybe think you'd find in a Star Wars movie. You have Joel, Amos, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Jonah, and then Micah. And don't hesitate to use your uh, table of contents if you're struggling to find it. We're in Micah chapter 6. And this morning, we're, uh, with the new year, we're kicking off a new sermon series called Every Day as we consider how our faith can shape the everyday, ordinary moments of life. And it's important to have this conversation because there can often be a disconnect between our faith and everyday living. And speaking of everyday living, uh, how many of you here, and you, you can sh- do a show of hands, how many of you here have a smartphone? Probably should have just said, how many, who doesn't have a smartphone? All right, we all have smart, there's one, Tommy. He's like, yes, I don't have a smartphone, this is my chance. Um, if you had asked that 15 years ago, who has a smartphone? We all would have looked at each other like, a, a smartphone, that makes no sense, what, what? What is a smartphone? But times have changed. Technology has advanced. So many of us have smartphones. Now, how many of you here have a smartphone and you really know how to use it? Who would be like some of the experts? All right, look and yes. All right, we need to be friends with these people. Uh, many of us, we have smartphones and, and we, we know a little bit how to text people, uh, pull up the internet, call someone. Maybe you've never even called someone on your phone. I don't know. Uh, we know how to use it a little bit, but there's so much we don't have access to. I'm one of those people. I really don't know the smartness of my phone. And I just discovered recently that my phone has a name, and it's Siri. And and I can talk to her. If I say, hey, Siri, and say something, she'll actually say something back to me. I'm just discovering this. Some of you are like, what is it? You know, everyone knows that. You don't have to be that brilliant to figure that out. But as as, uh, dumb as I can be in using my smartphone, you know who's even dumber? My grandma. It's like, oh man, you're taking shots at your grandma. Yes, my grandma does not know how to use a smartphone. She got an iPhone, and it's frustrating because we want to, you know, teach her the simple things like FaceTime and how to use it. And you, she has this phone with all these good things, and she just wants to use it to call. She just wants to call people. She doesn't want to text. She doesn't want to go online. She doesn't want to use FaceTime. She has access to all these great functions, and yet she's not utilizing it. She's just using it like she would her landline. Now, many of us, most of us probably here are pretty good at using a smartphone, but often, just like we can fail to connect using a smartphone to everyday living, many of us fail to connect our faith to everyday living. Just like my grandma, she can have the smartphone and access to it, but she doesn't bother, she doesn't want to go through the frustrations, it's just going to be something she talks to people on. Many of us have our faith over here. And sure, maybe it has access to something. Sure, maybe it can transform our lives in powerful ways, but we just are resigned and settled with going through the motions of everyday living, and our faith really doesn't shape our life. It's like having that living room that maybe you use on special occasions. Maybe on Christmas, you go in the living room to open presents. You have nice furniture in there, but you rarely go in to sit in it. You rarely use it. It's a room in the home that isn't utilized. It's like a piece of artwork that you look at. You wonder what the artist was thinking but it has no implications for everyday life. It's just disconnected. Many of us live our lives disconnected from the power of faith. 
And so we want to have a conversation in the coming weeks about how our faith can shape everyday living. How does it shape how we work? How does it shape our relationships? How does it shape our prayer and relating to God? How does it shape justice? What does everyday justice look like? But we begin this week looking at Micah. And Micah is a prophet in the 8th century BC, so a long time ago. Thousands of years ago. But even though it was thousands of years ago, he's writing to people just like you and us. People who were struggling. People who were living in anxiety. At this time, the Assyrian Empire was gaining strength. And there was a consistent fear that they would be taken as slaves. There was also a lack of trust in God, in Yahweh. They had heard stories about God's work, but they had grown cold. They had grown cold to God. Cold to Yahweh. And they had resigned themselves to just protect themselves. And so they had treated the poor very badly. So there was self-centeredness and a lack of trust and coldness that was dominating the people of God. And Micah shows up. And Micah has a word for God's people. And let's look at what he says in Micah 6, verses 6 to 8. He begins in verse 6. The people of God asking a question to God. Listen to what they say. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I, come, shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? You see, at this time in the ancient Near East, everyone, to come into the presence of a king, to come into the presence of the God, you, you had to bring some kind of offering, something good to the table. Shall we come with burnt offering, a calf a years old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression and the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Is this what we bring, God? Do we bring some offering? And then in verse 8, God corrects their perspective of how we come into his presence. Verse 8 reads, he has told you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. You know, Micah here is getting at the core of what God wants. What does God desire? How do we come into God's presence? And what, what he's saying is God doesn't want your superficial worship. He wants to enter into your genuine everyday living and life. And next week, we're going to look at this passage and talk about what it means to, to do justice and love kindness. But this morning, we're going to focus on walking humbly with God, to walk humbly with your God. Walking with God is one of the dominant metaphors in the Old Testament and the New Testament. When it thinks about how we relate with God, we see that we're invited into this walk, into this journey. God's not so, when we think of coming into God's presence, God's not so much concerned with what things do we bring. God wants us to bring ourselves. And so this morning, as we enter into this new year, as we consider everyday faith, what is that, how does it shape us? We're going to look at what does it mean to join God on a long walk? What does walking with God look like? And we're going to see three ways this morning. Walking with God, what does God invite us into? First, we see going on a walk with God means joining God's personal presence. It means that God invites intimacy. He invites intimacy. And intimacy is the experience of being known 
and knowing someone. Of opening ourselves up and being open to learn about another. An experience of genuinely connecting with someone else. And BBC, the uh, media outlet, recently uh, posted an article on the top cliches for an online dating profile. For an online dating profile, the top cliches, and what they really mean. So when someone says this, what they're really trying to communicate, and it was, it was interesting. And a few highlights, um, top cliches of an online dating profile. One is this. I'll put it in quotes. I'm new to this, so here it goes. Maybe you've had an online dating profile and put that. I'm new to this, so here it goes. And really what someone's saying when they, when they say that is, uh, I'm pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm pretty uncomfortable with online dating, and so here it goes. And so that's a cliche. You might want to avoid that one. Also, uh, another cliche is uh, used on an online dating profile is, my friends say I'm dot, dot, dot. My friends say I'm funny, or my friends say that I'm smart, or my friends say I'm creative, or my friends say that I'm sexy, if, if that's what you would want to put on your online dating profile. And, and really what, what you're communicating when that's what you say is you're communicating a lack of confidence. And I found this interesting. Uh, rather than using adjectives to describe yourself, you should just embody it. Like, yeah, that's probably pretty good advice. Um, or, or just take credit and say, I am this way. That's another cliche. But the biggest cliche, and you may have even guessed it. As soon as I'm going to say it, you'll be like, aha, yeah, that one. Um, the biggest cliche of online dating profiles is, I like long walks on the beach. I mean, if you read that now, it's like we all would know that is a cliche thing to say. I like long walks on the beach. And what they say is what you're really trying to communicate here and why this isn't a good thing to say is what you're really saying is something that everybody wants. Everyone wants intimacy. And that's what a long walk on the beach is inviting. Intimacy. Intimacy. You know, there's something about an invitation in a long walk in a special place that invites the experience of being known. And we all desire it. We all desire long walks. We all desire to be known and to know someone else. You see, this is what God is inviting. He says, come and walk with me. Walk with me. Open yourself up to be known and you can know me. The first component of this is God invites honest self-disclosure. He invites us to not come to him with just some profile, with just the cliches of who we are, with how we project ourselves. God wants, he invites us to be honest. You know, even considering how you are right now, where you are right now, how you're entering into even thinking about everyday faith. I mean, when you hear that kind of statement, what comes to mind? Everyday, everyday faith. Maybe you hear that and you think, everyday faith, that, that just seems, that seems kind of lame. Everyday faith, I want extraordinary faith. I want special faith. Everyday faith, anyone can have that. I want extraordinary faith. Can we have a series on extraordinary faith? What's this every day? Sometimes we can relate to God rather than seeing his power in the ordinary moments of life. Maybe that's where you are. 
And you need to allow God to begin to work in here. Uh, others of us, we hear everyday faith. And if we're being honest, that sounds really intimidating. Like every day? Every day? I mean, Sunday's hard enough. Like showing up at church. I'm here. What more does the pastor want? I mean, everyday faith, can't we just have some days? Someday faith? Sunday faith? Everyday faith. That's for like the, the pastors and the real special people. But for me, I'm just normal. Others of us, if we're honest, this invitation to a conversation on everyday faith, you know, we just greet it how we maybe are greeting every spiritual conversation, and that's just with a degree of apathy. Just apathy. Indifference. You know, maybe at one point we were really passionate. We wanted that extraordinary faith. We were excited about that. And some pastor sold us a message from the pulpit of, of uh, if you put the round peg of Jesus, you know, he's the round peg that fits into the round hole of your heart. If you just believe in Jesus, all your problems will go away and it'll be easy. And we bought into that at one point. And then everyday experiences sobered us up that life is, it doesn't work that way. We've grown cold. We've become apathetic. We've grown self-protective. You know, one of the things that God invites us into when he says, join me on a walk, is to bring all of that, to be honest. Not to bring our profile that we put out here, projecting all of our things, but to bring What's going on in here? God says, join me on a walk. But then it's also very interesting because in intimacy, it's not just being known, but to truly know someone else. God wants to be known. The creator, transcendent God of the universe wants to be known in very personal ways. He says, walk with me. You know, Micah, Micah's name means who is Yahweh? Who is Yahweh? What a question. Who is God? Who is Yahweh? Who is he? How does God reveal himself? You know, many of us are tempted right now, even as I'm asking that question, you might be tempted. There's a part of you that wants to raise your hand. Mm, yes. I was in Sunday school and I learned the answers to this. Who is Yahweh? We want to spout off some theological statements about God. We want to relate to God in a 2D way. We, when we think of knowing God, we think of facts. Facts here. Bullet points. Like a sermon. You know, oh, yes. Well, God, when God says, walk with me, what he's wanting to do is to press past just knowing things about God to experiencing him, to know him to relate with God, to integrate the truths we know about him in everyday living. And you know, the Bible, it doesn't allow for 2D relating with God. All throughout it, when you read it, you see the people in the Bible, they don't relate to God that way. They wrestle with God. They're honest with God. They're challenged by God. They're surprised by God. They're walking with him. I mean, think of some of the people in it. Noah said of Noah, he walked with God. Noah walked with God. Abraham was a friend of God. David was a man after God's own heart. 
doesn't say about these people that they knew a lot about God. It means they related with God. They loved God. Speaking of David, you know, many of the Psalms, in the Psalms, which is the prayer book of the Bible, 28 times talks about walking with God, how our affections shape our relating with God. The Psalms are songs about God joining us in the everyday struggles and joys of life. At one point, David puts it this way. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Walking, God leading. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You're walking with me, God. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, when we think about who is Yahweh, who is God? Who is God when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death? Who is God in the concrete moments of life? We cannot settle for just abstract statements about God. We must take the truths about God and bring them into a particular place, particular times. God invites us to walk with him. And I think one of the reasons that God desires this, because he desires intimacy, and he knows in walking with him is where there's transformation. You know, many of us, we just want to use God. We want to use him. We want God to be like some smartphone. If you beep, hit the right button, hey Siri, hey God, do this for me. And I think that's because we live in a functional age where we're used to using people. We live in an age where hookups are now the new norm of intimacy. Just quick fixes, hooking up, using someone for pleasure in one moment. And then many of us bring that into our spiritual life. We want to hook up relationship with God. Just a quick fix. Learn some facts. Uh, sprinkle it in right now. And God invites us into a long walk. A long walk. God invites intimacy to know, to be known, and to know him. That's what God's inviting us into. Also, in walking with God, God invites us to join him on his pace, to join God's pace for living. Walk with me is very different than let's hurry up and get here. It's not just about the goal, it's about the journey, going on a walk. If you want to get somewhere as quick as possible, you run, you sprint. God says, no, you know, let's go on a walk. Walk with me. And this is very hard because we were just talking about we live in a goal-oriented culture where we just want to get to somewhere. We just want to accomplish the thing. You know, I have experienced this in my marriage with Megan and I. When I think back to how we view road trips, we both like road trips for very different reasons. Megan, Megan likes a road trip because a road trip is an opportunity to listen to good music a road trip is an opportunity to look at nice scenery and to have conversations, to talk. So a road trip is this great opportunity for connection. You're stuck in a car together. You're going to talk. You're going to look out. You're going to listen to music. It's going to be fun. For me, 
When I think of a road trip, it's a great opportunity to win some kind of race. I get in the car and I just, it's like I think I'm a NASCAR driver. I wanna, I'm always checking and I'm gauging my speed and I set it on cruise control 10 miles per hour faster than the speed limit all the time. And if traffic is slow and I lose a little bit, I have to go maybe seven miles per hour over the speed limit. I have to make up for that with like 13 miles per hour over the speed limit for the same amount of time because I need to win this. We need to get there. And many of us live that way. We're never present. We're always thinking about the next thing. God says, you know, walk with me. Walk with me. Let's go on a walk. And you know, this, the good news of a walk is we get to experience the joy of intimacy. The good news, the goodness of intimacy. But, you know, life, it crushes it. Uh, one pastor and author, Eugene Peterson, in his book, Long Obedience in the Same Direction. What a great title. Long Obedience in the Same Direction. You think about a walk. Uh, listen to what he says about intimacy. He says, this world is no friend to grace. Seeking for intimacy at any level with God or with persons is not a venture that gets the support of many people. Intimacy, it's not good for business. It is inefficient. It lacks glamour. If love of God can be reduced to a ritualized hour of worship, if love of another can be reduced to an act of sexual intercourse, then routines are simple and the world can be run efficiently. But if we will not settle for the reduction of love to lust, and of faith to ritual, and run through the streets asking for more, we will most certainly disturb the peace and be told to behave ourselves and go back to the homes and churches where we belong. Intimacy is no easy achievement. There is pain, longing, disappointment, and hurt. But if the costs are considerable, the rewards are magnificent. For in relationship with another... And with the God who loves us, we complete the humanity for which we were created. We stutter and stumble, wonder and digress, delay and procrastinate, but we learn to love even as we are loved steadily and eternally in Jesus Christ. Intimacy is inefficient. It's not good for business, but it is worth it. The joy of being known, of being accepted, of being loved. We are created to experience this. Walking with God is an invitation, an opportunity to be known, to be loved. But also, if we do not go on a walk, if we're always running and quick, we will miss out on the meaning of the mundane, ordinary moments of life. We miss out on the joy of the ordinary. We miss the spiritual significance of ordinary moments. You know, many of us, we just want to be great. We want to be great. And when we think of walking, we want to have a strut, you know? God invites us to walk humbly. And we, I'm not even going to do a strut because I'll embarrass myself. But you can imagine strutting around. We want to strut. We want everyone to look and be like, whoa, man, that person, they got a great walk. God says, you can just walk humbly. You don't need to strut. You don't need to show off what you know. You just join me to walk. Others of us, we want to run. Quick. You know, God, come on. God's so slow all the time. God's like, hey, let's slow down. 
Let's go on a walk. We miss the ordinary, the joy of the ordinary moment. You know, many of us, we think, we, we like the Israelites here in verse 6. They say, what shall we come before the Lord? What can we bring, God? Aha, yes. I'll bring my Bible knowledge. I will bring all my good works. I will bring all my things. And we miss the invitation to just walk with God in the ordinary moments of life, to walk humbly. You see, God wants to invade the ordinary moments of life, and he invites us to be present on the journey, not just to be concerned with the end, to be present with God in the ordinary moments of life. You know, most of life is ordinary. It is very ordinary. You know, what makes a good relationship? What makes a good marriage? What makes a good friendship? It's not the big moments. And many of us want to do that. We're like, God, I will be clutch for you. I will be clutch. If there's ever a time where, like, it's going down, it's really big, and you need me to be there, I will be there. You know, like Allen Iverson, I will, I will show up on the big stage, but practice. Who needs practice? Who needs, who needs ordinary moments? We're just... That's below me. I'll clutch. But you know, most of life is practice. Most of life is just ordinary. Ordinary moments of love. Ordinary moments of care. Ordinary moments of listening. Ordinary moments of sharing. That is life. And the good news of this, you know, the, the beauty of this is what this means, right? Think about it. It's not just the special moments. Every moment is special. Every day. Every day. Every day. Every conversation. Every prayer. Every meal. Every moment. Walked with God. Is pregnant with significance and meaning. The joy of presence and meaning in ordinary moments. What does God invite us into? Walking with God invites us into intimacy to experience his presence. God invites us into his pace. And lastly, God invites us into his purpose. He invites us to join his work, his purpose. You know, God is on a walk, but it's not an aimless walk. God is heading somewhere. He says, uh, the prop, uh, Micah says, what does God desire? God desires something. God has a desire. He's not just like, hey, what ifs? What do you want to do? All right, we'll go there. No, God is very intentional. He has a purpose. He has a plan. There's direction. There's movement. When you're walking, you're not where you were. And we see, how does Micah respond, or how does God respond? What does God desire? To do justice and love kindness. We're going to talk about that next week. What does everyday justice and mercy look like? But we see here, before God can do a work through us, we see the purpose of God's work in us. That God wants to do a transforming work in you and me. And in inviting us on a walk, that's where he's taking us. God is inviting us in the transformative work. And uh, Paul, he puts it this way in Romans 6, talking about walking. He says, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, speaking of Christ, 
in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Paul's saying when you look at the gospel, you can get in touch with the purpose of God, the transforming purpose of God, and you're invited on this new walk, walking in the newness of life. A new walk, a new way of living. And so as we close, what does it mean to walk in the newness of life? Experiencing intimacy with God, joining God on his pace, and then how that reshapes us, how it transforms us. What does it mean to walk in the newness of life? One of the ways we walk in the newness of life, one of the, one of the implications is that it means we can humbly rest in his grace. We walk in the grace of God. We rest in his grace. Paul, he's pointing it to the gospel. He talks about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news that Jesus took the humble walk to the cross so that we could walk humbly in life. Micah, in the beginning, in 6, he talks about the people of God are wrestling. How do we come into God's presence? You know, a king, what would you bring to a king? You'd bring something really great. It's the greatest thing you could bring to be in the presence of the king. The presence of God? I mean, it must require thousands of rams and sacrifices. It must require the greatest sacrifice ever. And God offers it himself in Jesus Christ. How can we walk with God? How can we enter the presence of God? Through faith in the finished work of his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins so that we could be made right with God, so we could be invited to have access with God, and then we get to walk in that, walking in the grace of God, fully accepted, fully known. Walking in newness of life means we get to walk with others. We get to experience intimacy with the other people. We get to invite others to know us. We have the privilege of knowing them. We are no longer dominated by fear and self-protection. But because we are secure in Christ, we can be vulnerable with people. We get to walk with others. We get to know others. We get to the joy of being known by others. We have the opportunity of going on long road trips. And we can be free from just the wanting to get there. And we can be present right there with people. And lastly, walking in the newness of life means we get to walk in confident hope. We get to walk in hope. Paul says, just as Christ was raised from the dead, that we too might walk in the glory of life. Jesus walked out of the tomb. So that we could walk in confident hope that we one day will too. How is the gospel shaping your walk? Do you see God's invitation? Are you willing to join him? To let him know you and to know him, to walk with God, the intimacy that that brings? Are you joining God on his pace? Or are you always running? Scattered, wanting something big, wanting something fast, wanting something famous? Are you allowing the gospel to shape right now? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for being a God who invites us to walk with you and for taking the initiative to make that so.
Sometimes running's easier. We can distract ourselves from ourselves. Uh, sometimes just staying alone is easier. Lord, grant us the courage to join you, to pursue intimacy, to open ourselves up, and to allow the truth of who you are to shape our everyday living. And God, may we be present. May we see every day, every moment, every conversation as a gift. The meal that we partake in this afternoon, may we not just look at that food as fuel, may we see it as an opportunity to be present with you and other people. And Lord, shape us, transform us. And we know you do it not just on the easy path, but on the hard one. And so we invite you to walk with us even there. We pray this in the name of your Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.